Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Four Progress Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Party, and today we're going to be wrapping up the AFC North and our Who Are They series with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's get on into it. All right, so in case you're new here, what we do is we go over each team division by division, position by position, and just break down the roster, kind of give like a whole um, season preview type deal. And then at the end of it, talk about a season projection where I talk about what I think this team's floor and ceiling is, as well as their over or under, whether or not I think they're going to hit that over or under. And then uh, the biggest strength and the biggest weakness on this roster. At the end of this whole series, I'm going to be doing a whole season prediction where I'll give my official win totals for each team, plus a playoff prediction where um, I'll pick the Super Bowl winners, all that, and a uh, season's award prediction. If you want to stick around for that, hit the like and subscribe button, and let's get on into it with the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, so starting off at quarterbacks, they have Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, Mason Rudolph, and Chris Oludekun. So Mitch was taken second overall in the 2017 drafts by the Bears, but did not play well and his fifth-year option was declined. Last year, he was a backup for Josh Allen in Buffalo, so many hoped that Brian Dable was able to fix the damage done by Matt Nagy, as Trubisky has all the physical talents to be a good quarterback. He just struggled with like accuracy and reading defenses and stuff. So... We'll see how well he can perform now, but they did just draft a rookie in the first round who will likely be this team's starter the minute Drew Risky begins to struggle. Pickett was the first quarterback selected and the only one picked in the first two rounds of this past draft. The 20th overall pick out of Pitt played like one of the most pro-ready quarterbacks in the draft, either him or Desmond Ritter. He's a good athlete and has great accuracy, but didn't have like the best feel for the pocket in college and didn't go through his progressions often. He should be ready to start soon for this team though, as he'll be able to efficiently get the ball to all these playmakers. Rudolph was taken in the third round in 2018 and got a shot to be the Steelers quarterback of the future when Big Ben went down in 2019. However, he played poorly and was replaced by UDFA Doc Hodges. To be fair, Rudolph eventually won that starting job back, but so far he's shown nothing to make you believe that he's anything beyond a backup caliber guy, if even that. Then Ludicoon was taken in the seventh round out of South Dakota State this year. So for running backs, they have Nasha Harris, Anthony McFarland Jr., Benny Snell Jr., Jeremy McNichols, Mateo Durant, Jalen Warren, and then fullbacks Derek Watt and Connor Hayward. Harris was picked 24th overall last year and had a good rookie season. He was ran into the ground, though, taking by far the most snaps um, by running back in the league. And he was on the field for 6.2% more snaps than Derrick Henry, who was the next highest used back, at least percentage-wise. He had 1,200 yards, 7 touchdowns, and 0 fumbles, plus an additional 463 yards and 3 touchdowns through the air, which is great for a rookie but he also only averaged 3.9 yards per carry. He has all the tools to be a top back, but clearly needs more help from his O-line, and hopefully Pittsburgh can get some more production out of their backs before they break Najee down. The Steelers better hope that McFarland starts to show up more in year three, as they need another back to help lighten Harris's load. He's got the potential of a nice change of pace back at 5'8 with 4'4'4 speed, but that small frame has already led to some injuries in his career. 
Snell was taken in the fourth round in 2019 and has seen some rotational snaps. Last year, he did see his lowest amount of snaps, which is probably a good thing because he's a pretty poor athlete for the running back position as he's not fast or shifty and doesn't have good power to offset those deficiencies. And then I don't know if this has happened yet with some lower depth chart guys, but I'm pretty sure that McNichols is the first guy I'm going to be talking about twice in this series as he was on the Falcons when I did that episode. It's a good third down receiving back who can play that role if McFarland can't for any reason. So I do think he's a pretty good pickup. And I was at first kind of shocked to see the Falcons cut him, but I checked again and they have a lot of good depth and young guys. So not too shocking. And then Durant and Warren are UDFAs from this class. Watt is going to be your more traditional blocking type fullback joining the team in 2020 after spending his first four years with the Chargers and Hayward was taken in the sixth round this year out of Michigan as more of the H-back flex tight end fullback type. So for wide receivers they have Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Chase Claypool, Miles Boykin, Calvin Austin III, Gunnar Olswinski, Steven Sims, Cody White, Anthony Miller, Tyler Vons, and Tyler Sneed. Deontay Johnson has gotten off to a pretty nice start to his career. Last year, he put up 1,100 yards and 8 touchdowns with the ghost of Ben Roethlisberger throwing to him. He's a great separator, but doesn't have the most reliable hands, though he did improve on that last season. With improved quarterback play, it wouldn't be shocking to see him elevate himself firmly into the top 15 conversation. George Pickens was picked in the second round out of Georgia this year. He could have easily been the first receiver taken in this class if it weren't for a torn ACL that cost him to miss most of his last year. He's a good route runner with incredible potty control. He's going to be one of those guys who can position himself to make any catch and also have some serious toe drag swag. I love this pick and I think he's going to be this team's number one as soon as the end of the season. Claypool looked like one of the league's best deep threats as a rookie. The 6'4", 240-pound second-round pick ran a 4'4", 240 making him bigger and faster than most everyone he was facing. That led to him having 870 yards and 9 touchdowns as a rookie. However, in U2, he saw similar yardage but only 2 touchdowns and his drops rose from 4 to 7. There's also been some questions about his maturity, but if he can stay focused and on the field, he can be a great top 5 even deep threat and he is only entering year 3. And then Boykin is kind of like a light version of Claypool. He's not as big and strong, but he does have the same 40 time. However, the 2019 third round pick has failed to make any noise so far in a thin Baltimore room. Now that he's in Pittsburgh, can he become that deep threat that he has the potential of? Or is he just going to be a guy who catches a small handful of deep balls a year, but nothing more? Calvin Austin was taken in the fourth round out of Memphis this year. He's an extremely small at only 5'8", 170, but he is extremely athletic and constantly one on the outside in college. Obviously, it's going to be hard to, for him to find that same success in the NFL as like an X-type receiver, but I don't think there's any reason to think that he can't be a top slot option sooner rather than later. Olswinski hasn't done much as a receiver since going undrafted in 2019, but he has been one of the best return specialists over these past few years. Sims saw some action his first two years with the Washington football team as a decent slot option for an undrafted player, but he spent all of last year on the Steelers practice squad, and with good front ahead of him, it's hard to see him being elevated this season. 
White went undrafted in 2020 and played a bit last year but didn't do much. Miller looked decent as a second-round pick for the Bears back in 2018, putting up 450 yards and 7 touchdowns as a rookie, but never took the next steps forward and barely saw the field last year between the Texans and the Steelers. If he does play, it'll likely be in the slot, but they do have so much depth ahead of him. Then Vaughn's is a UDFA from last class, and Snead went undrafted this year. So for tight ends, they have Pat Fryermuth, Zach Gentry, Kevin Rader, and Jace Sternberger. Muth was picked in the second round last year and was able to take Eric Ebron's job in just a few weeks. He finished with 500 yards and 7 touchdowns as a rookie and showed signs of being an all-around good tight end, someone you can trust both as a blocker and a receiver. Gentry has so far been a blocking number 3 type tight end, but has shown some promise to be a capable number 2, having over 150 yards last season. He also doesn't have a drop on 25 career targets, which isn't a huge sample size, but still good. Raider went undrafted in 2018 and started getting action in 2020, also mostly as a blocker, hardly producing as a receiver so far. Sternberger was taken in the third round in 2019 by the Packers, but could hardly see the field there due to injuries. He is still only 26, so there is some nice theoretical upside with him, but he needs to stay healthy if he wants to get anywhere close to achieving that. So along their offensive lines, their starters project to be Dan Moore Jr., Kevin Dotson, Mason Cole, James Daniel, and Chukwumu Okorafor, with Joe Haig, Jake Dixon, Trent Scott, and Jordan Tucker backing up at tackles, Kendrick Grains, Chris Owens, John Leglu, and Chaz Green backing up at guards, and J.C. Hassenauer and Nate Gilliam backing up at center. This was one of the worst offensive lines in the league last year. Their pressure numbers are a bit deflated by Roethlisberger's absurd 2.2 second time to throw, which was 0.08 seconds faster than second place's Brady's and 0.26 faster than Tua, who is in third. So whether it is Pickett or Trubisky behind this line, you can honestly expect a lot more pressure to be coming in with them holding the ball for longer. Even still with Roethlisberger, Moore surrendered 46 pressures. The fourth-round pick probably shouldn't have been starting as a rookie, but that was the state of this offensive line. Hopefully some trial by fire can help him keep developing into at least an average starter sooner rather than later. Haig was taken in the fifth round in 2016 by the Colts and saw some action as either guard or tackle position. He has positional flexibility, which is nice, but he provides like replacement-level play at best. And then Dixon is a UDFA from this class. Dotson was picked in the fourth round 2020 and has probably been this team's best lineman since then. He's missed some time with COVID and injuries, so he doesn't even have a thousand stops under his belt. But he's definitely been their best pass blocker and he's been good enough against the run, especially compared to what's been around him. Green was taken in the third round last year and started almost every game at center. He didn't have the greatest rookie season, so the team sought to replace him with Mason Cole, and now he's going to either have to take the job back from Cole or um, away from one of these guards. Owens went undrafted last year, but hasn't played yet. Cole was picked in the third round 2018 by the Cardinals, but was shipped off to the Vikings after year three. There, he was forced to start a few games at center and guard, and did look better than he had in Arizona. So the Steelers hope that he can build upon that success and be their next starting center. 
Hassenauer went undrafted in 2018 and started seeing some time filling in for injuries in 2020 at guard or center, and has played as like a decent backup. Then Gilliam went undrafted in 2020 but hasn't played yet. Daniels was taken in the second round in 2018 by the Bears and has been a good young guard or center for them. He has been better at guard though, and that will likely be where he plays here. Pretty surprised that the Bears let him walk, as he has been one of the very few bright spots along that offensive line, but the Steelers should be able to capitalize on the Bears' mistake with him. LeGlue went on draft in 2019 and saw his first action starting the second half of last year. He was a decent pass blocker, likely caused by Roethlisberger's lightning release, but He'll likely be designated backup again this year, which is tragic because that's honestly a great name for an offensive lineman. Dreen was taken by the Cowboys in the third round of 2015, but has hardly played so far in his career and has been a pretty big liability when out there. Okorafor was taken in the third round 2018 by the Steelers and developed into an average-ish level right tackle. He signed for almost $10 million a year, this offseason which surprised many so let's see if he can keep ascending upwards and prove that he deserves this level of pay and prove that he deserves this level of pay scott won a draft in 2018 and has seen some action each year but has played poorly when out there and tucker is a udfa from this class so along their interior defensive line they have cameron hayward larry Ogunjobi, tyson alawelu Isaiah Loudermilk, Chris Wormley, Devon, DeMarvin Leal, Montrevious Adams, Carlos Davis, Hendry Mondo, Khalil Davis, Doug Costin, and Donovan Jeter. Hayward is one of the best players in this league and would probably be talked about as the best defensive lineman if it weren't for Aaron Donald. 2013 was the last time he had less than 50 pressures, excluding in 2016 where he missed significant time with injuries, and he's had 59 or more pressures every year since 2017. He's one of the best players against the run too. His presence demands so much attention, and when a team diverts that pressure elsewhere, like the reigning defensive player of the year, he is absolutely able to make them pay. He is 33 this season, so the question of how much longer is starting to arise, but he showed no signs of slowing down this last season. Ogunjobi has been a good pass rushing three tech type since being taken in the third round 2017 by the Browns. He spent last year with the Bengals, making the Steelers the third AFC North team that Ogunjobi has been a part of. He'll likely rotate out on earlier downs as he's not much of a factor against the run, but as a pass rusher, he's above average, and when playing next to Watt and Hayward, he could easily have a career year. Aloelu was taken 10th overall in 2010 by the Jags. After seven mess seasons there, he signed with the Steelers and has been one of the better run-stuffing defensive tackles in the league. He won't provide much value as a pass rusher and is 35 coming off injuries, but if he can regain his form, he should be a good run-stuffer once again. Loudermilk was taken in the fifth round last year and saw a decent amount of snaps as a rookie, but wasn't able to make much noise with them. Wormley was taken in the third round in 2017 by the Ravens, but was traded to the rival Steelers after his third season. He's been a good rotational 3-5 tech pass rusher here, who definitely takes advantage of playing next to some talented players with 27 pressures, but 8 sacks last year, while seeing a lot of time filling in for injured Stefan Tewitt. 
DeMarvin Leal was taken in the third round out of this year's draft out of Texas A&M. There, he played like a tweener role lining up all along the defensive line. These types haven't worked out recently, but honestly, if anyone can get success out of him, it would be the Steelers, who already have had him bulk up to play more of that traditional 3-5 deck. Adams was drafted by the Packers in the third round in 2017 as a run-stuffing nose tackle, but he never really developed there and spent last year splitting time with the Saints and the Steelers. Carlos Davis was taken in the seventh round in 2020, but hasn't played much yet. Mondo was undrafted in 2018 and started seeing some snaps for the Steelers these past two years, but hasn't looked great there as an undersized three-tech. Khalil Davis was taken in the sixth round in 2020, seeing a few snaps with the Bucks and Colts so far. Costin went undrafted in 2020 and saw decent snaps as a run-stuffing three-tech, but Holly saw the field last year with Jacksonville, and Jeter is a UDFA from this class. So for edge defenders, they have TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, Jannard Avery, Derek Tuska, Delonte Scott, Tuzer Skipper, TD Moultrie, and Tyree Johnson. So TJ Watt is one of the league's best edge defenders, if not the best. The reigning defensive player of the year tied the record for sacks last season with 22 and a half, despite missing some time and playing banked up. He's an amazing um, pass rusher. He's amazing against the run. And he's also pretty good at dropping into coverage, which he is doing a bit less as his best value is as an edge rusher. He should be in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation for years to come, and his presence combined with Cam Hayward in the middle and then some other solid pass rushers to complement makes this one of the best, if not the best, pass rushing groups in the league. Highsmith was picked in the third round 2020 and stepped into the starting role last year, finishing with 35 pressures and 8 sacks. If he can keep up his development, he should be a good number two and able to take advantage of the lack of attention created by his teammates. Avery was picked in the fifth round in 2018 and looked great as a rookie hybrid edge for the Browns, getting 42 pressures and five sacks. However, he hardly saw the field as a sophomore for whatever reason and was traded at the deadline to the Eagles. He couldn't recapture the same success and now hopes to find it once again in the AFC North. Tuska was taken in the seventh round by the Broncos in 2020 and played a bit as a rookie, but then found his way to the Steelers, where he saw the field once again for a bit, looking all right as a rotational piece. Um, Scott went undrafted in 2020, but hardly has played yet. Skipper went undrafted in 2019 and saw some action as a rookie, but none last year. And um, Moultrie and Johnson are both UDFAs from this class. So for linebackers, they have Miles Jack, Devin Bush, Robert Spillane, Buddy Johnson, Marcus Allen, Ulysses Gilbert III, and Mark Robinson. Jack was one of the better young linebackers for the Jags, who took him in the second round in 2016, despite an injury that cost him most of his rookie season. It was surprising to see him cut, as he's a good, proven linebacker, and is a month younger and more proven than Aluakun, who they replaced him with. The Steelers pounced on Jack and got a quality starting middle linebacker who I can definitely see leading this defense for the next five plus years. The Steelers were hoping that Bush though would be that face of their defense when they traded up for him in the first round of the 2019 draft. He paid immediate dividends using his elite athleticism to be one of the best linebackers as a rookie. 
However, he was off to a slow start in year two before tearing his ACL, and coming back in year three, he did not look any better. He, his fifth-year option was declined, so unless he can turn back the clock, he'll likely be on a new team come next year. Spillane went undrafted in 2018 and has seen some decent snaps, including a few starts these last two years for Pittsburgh, but he hasn't really been anything special as a run or um but he hasn't really been anything special in either the run or pass games. Johnson was picked in the fourth round last year, but barely played as a rookie. Allen was picked in the fifth round in 2018 and has seen some snaps as an undersized Carpers linebacker, um, being dis- being pretty decent in limited reps. Gilbert was picked in the sixth round in 2019, but has hardly seen the field, and Robinson is a UDFA from this class. So for cornerbacks, they have Akello Witherspoon, Levi Wallace, Cameron Sutton, James Pierre, Justin Lane, Arthur Mallet, Lyndon Stevens, Chris Steele, and Carlin Platel. Witherspoon has missed time with injuries throughout his career, but the former third-round pick has shown the upside to be a low-end number one type corner, which Pittsburgh definitely needs here. Taking away one shot last year where he was beat deep by Henry Ruggs, Witherspoon did not allow more than 50 yards in a single game, and his longest reception was 39 yards. He also did not allow a touchdown, excluding that rogue sketch. He only played from like week 11 onward after um, playing the Raiders in week two. But I think that if he can't stay healthy, he's going to shock a lot of people this year, especially playing behind a pretty great pass rush. Wallace went undrafted in 2018 and has been one of the Bills' starting corners since week 10 of his rookie year. He's been good there as like an average level number two, someone who you hope to upgrade upon, but you aren't necessarily re- like stressing to replace. Sutton was drafted in the third round 2017 and has been one of the better slot corners here with the Steelers. He got full-time reps last year after this team chose him over the other stud slot, Mike Hilton. And he isn't as good as Hilton, but he provides similar value at a much lower cost. Pierre went undrafted in 2020 and saw some snaps last year, including a few starts. He played all right, and they could definitely be worse off as a depth piece, but he is, uh, he's got a thin frame at 6'185", and he isn't the greatest athlete. Lane was picked in the third round in 2019, but has hardly seen the field yet and has not looked good in limited action. Mollett went undrafted in 2017 and has bounced around the league as like a depth nickelback, but hasn't played the greatest, getting picked apart when out there. Stevens went undrafted in 2018, but has hardly played yet and not played at all last year. And Steele and Platel are UDFAs in this class. So for safeties, they have Minka Fitzpatrick, Terrell Edmonds, Carl Joseph, Demonte Kazee, Trey Norwood, Donovan Stinner, and Miles Kilbrew. Fitzpatrick struggled as a versatile defensive back picked in the first round by the Dolphins in 2018. Two weeks into his sophomore season, they traded him to the Steelers, who stuck him at free safety, where he excelled. He became one of the best ball-hawking center fielders in the league, but he plays risky and that can come back to bite him. He had one of his worst years last year in Pittsburgh, so hopefully this was just like a low end of the variance with his risky play, and the other end will come back around this year. Edmund was a shocking pick at the end of the first round 2018. 
He's been a starting level box safety for them, better against the run than in coverage. He isn't anything to complain about and is a decent compliment to the rangy Fitzpatrick. He was just probably a bit overdrafted at the time for the role that he plays. Joseph was taken in the first round 2016 by the Raiders, where he played at like an average starting level, rotating both over top and close to the line of scrimmage. He looked like he was developing into a plus starter before tearing his ACL on an interception in 2019. He's dealt with injuries throughout his career at 5'10", 200 pounds, while being a physical player. And he hardly saw the field last year with the Steelers, bouncing between the practice squad and active roster. Kazee was taken in the fifth round in 2017 and has been an underrated free safety when he has been able to get on the field for the Falcons and then last year with, with Dallas. He won't unseat Minka or anything, but he could allow them to run two safety shells and also provide some solid energy with the monster hits he's able to lay down. Norwood was taken in the seventh round last year and played a good amount as a third safety, but I wouldn't be shocked to see his role diminished here with the addition of Kazee. Stanner went undrafted last year but didn't play, and then Killebrew was taken in the fourth round 2016 as a hybrid safety linebacker, but he hasn't found much success so far um, bouncing around the league. So for special teams, they have Chris Boswell and Nick Skiba at kicker, Presley Harvin III and Cameron Nizialek at punter, and Christian Kuntz at long snapper. Boswell has been the kicker since 2015, being pretty great minus a horror 2018 season, but they do have Skiba here brought in as a UDFA to compete. Harvin was taken in the seventh round last year, and they also have Nizalek here, who was the Falcons punter for the first four weeks of last season, um, here and to compete. And then Koontz became the Steelers' long snapper last season. All right, so now this is when I do my full season prediction. Um, first, can talk about their floor and ceiling. Uh, I see the floor of this team being 7-10 and 10 and the ceiling is 9-8. and eight. I just think this team is just a very average team. Like, it's a poor roster, but Tomlin, he's never had a losing record, even with Doug Hodges and Mason Rudolph and whoever else they were throwing out that one season. Um, to see him have one now would be a bit shocking, but I wouldn't put it completely out of the realm of possibility. However, I also don't see this team, like, they have a pretty tough schedule, and I would see it being pretty difficult to go nine and eight with them, or above nine and eight for them. Um, pessimistically, some things that can go wrong though is neither quarterback really wins that starting job. It's more so just which looks less bad. Trubisky therefore would start the season as the vet, but he would play poorly, and Pickett is thrown in as a rookie, also playing bad. Harris can't get much going behind this offensive line, and is ran into the dirt again with little depth behind him. Um, Johnson, he struggles with drops again. Pickens can't emerge as a rookie, and Claypool continues to fall after looking so good as a rookie. This offensive line struggles all the way from left tackle to right tackle, with no one even being like all right. As the quarterback, he they hold the ball for longer than Ben did. This front seven is good, but maybe they suffer injuries or just don't live up to how good they look on paper. Um, Jack shows why he was cut by the Jags, and Bush continues to struggle. Witherspoon deals with more injuries, and the rest of this corner room isn't really able to step up. And Fitzpatrick, he keeps taking risks that don't pay off, and the rest of these safeties play just fine at best. But some things that can go right and lead to that like 9-8 and eight type season is Trubisky being revitalized by Dable's Magic, or Pickett is able to come in and be 
great as a rookie. Harris is able to overcome some poor line play, and McFarland steps up as a number two. These wide receivers are the best young core in the league, with Pickens already showing signs of a true number one, Johnson entering the top 15 territory, and Claypool being an elite deep threat. Muth is able to build off a strong rookie campaign and look even better in year two. This O-line snips top 20 and at least allows this offense to kind of function most of the time. This front seven is far and away the best in the league, with Hayward and Watt being elite and other players like Ogunjobi and Highsmith playing great and looking even better next to their elite counterparts. Jack makes Jacksonville look dumb for cutting him and Bush looks more like his old self again. Witherspoon stays healthy and looks like a number one corner and Wallace is a good number two with Fitzpatrick able to take advantage of all the chaos caused by the pass rush looking elite again, and Edmonds plays pretty fair as a box safety. So the over-under for this team is set at 7.5. Um, I feel like that's fair and definitely achievable by this team. It's really hard to imagine this team having a losing season under Tomlin, and it's even harder to see them at 7-10. and 10. This roster might not be a playoff contending type right now, and especially at least on offense, but Tomlin does seem to have this sort of refusal to go down below the Steelers' golden standards. I don't see that changing just because Roethlisberger is now gone. However, I don't see them winning more than nine games, though, as this is a pretty tough schedule, but I do think that nine-game ceiling could be their most likely outcome. And then their biggest strength are their pass rushers. Definitely consider putting Tomlin here as he just had that magical effect, but I decided to go with a more tangible thing that you could see. And this pass rush could go absolutely bananas with Wad and Hayward both being top three pass rushers from the edge and interior respectively. Easy cases for Watt to be number one and Hayward to be number two right behind Donald. Highsmith has developed nicely so far and is primed for a year three breakout. Ogunjobi has been a good interior rusher so far, and with more help around him, he could be even better. And Leo is a talented rookie who I wouldn't be shocked to see making an impact sooner rather than later here. And their biggest weakness is this offensive line. It's just so bad. Uh, like, yeah, I think they upgraded at center and right guard, but their job is going to get so much harder without Big Ben's lightning fast release. I think that they might have maybe like two average starting linemen and everyone here you can make a case like oh they can like look they can at least be like all right or even better but it wouldn't shock me if the opposite happened and just everyone looked terrible and this was the worst offensive line in the league all right so that's going to do it for today's episode let me know what you think about the Steelers leave a comment if you're watching this on YouTube, also leave a like and subscribe. If you're on Apple, Spotify, wherever you might be listening to this, leave a five-star review, help spread the word out. And yeah, I'll see you guys all next time.